So anyway, we're at Matthew 10 today. And as I was saying, we are all, we all have a desire to be good kingdom citizens in God's kingdom. And so we're just looking at the book of Matthew to see, that's the, called the kingdom gospel, where he talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven and Jesus as the king, and he is the king. And, you know, in any kingdom, there's order, isn't there? There's, there's protocol, I guess that's what they call it, right? Just anybody doesn't go running in to the king's throne, right? <laughs> you um, have to go through the right channels, and you have to make an appointment, and, you know, there's a whole... And if, if they screen you out, you're, you're out. You're, you're not getting in there. Isn't it wonderful that as kingdom citizens in the kingdom of God, Somebody doesn't screen us out and say, no, I'm sorry, God doesn't have time for you until maybe next year sometime. Can you imagine? What will we do? What will we do? Think about it. You know, I think we get so accustomed to the privilege of walking with God and having that access all the time. Sometimes it doesn't fully dawn on us what an amazing privilege that is that we don't have to call up a year in advance and say, you know, check my, here's my security check and, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I need a, this many minutes and, you know, whatever, and I'll, I'll bribe you for, for a little extra time so I can have an audience with the king. No, we don't have to do that. That's how this world works, isn't it? It's all corruption and I'll, I'll pay you off and I'll bribe you so that I can get to, to that, that person. Thank God the kingdom of heaven's not like that, right? Each one of us, it's a level playing field. Each one of us has access to the throne room of heaven on a daily basis. That's amazing, isn't it? That's an amazing privilege. For that alone, our hearts should be overflowing with, with thanksgiving and joyfulness because we have such, such access with boldness. Wow, amazing. So we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? And as in any kingdom, there are guidelines, there are laws, there are regulations, there are um, things that we have to learn how to function, how to function, right? If you if you drive drunk, you could get pulled over and lose your license, right? That's in the natural realm. Well, if you drive drunk in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> There's consequences and there's penalties, right? Just like in the physical realm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Just yeah. using that as a picture. When we, when we sin, when we go against God's divine order, there's consequences and there's, there's penalties to ourselves that are unavoidable. And so, I mean, thank God we have the blood and we can get back in re relationship and, and keep on going, but we're trying to learn, aren't we? We're trying to learn to be good kingdom citizens, not to get in that pit place where we lose our license and lose access with boldness. We don't want to be there. We want to be in that place where we have confidence before him and we're not ashamed. And we're like, yes, even so, come Lord Jesus, that if he came this moment, we wouldn't be ashamed before him. That's how we want to live, right? We want to live. You know, when you have people coming over your house, there's a certain amount of preparation normally that goes into that, right? You know, you have family coming over for Thanksgiving or a holiday. You know, you get the vacuum out. You get, yeah, you, you start dusting and mopping and, 
and straighten it up, right? <laughs> it's just the way it is. That's how we do. Well, uh, when we we want to live in a way that, you know, if Jesus rang our doorbell, we wouldn't be ashamed. That's what I was trying to say. You know, some people say, well, if Jesus rang my doorbell, there's some things I would want to get rid of first and, and not let him see. We don't want to live like that, right? We want to live in such a way that if Jesus was the guest, and he is, he's in, he's in our homes, that there's nothing that we would be ashamed of that he would be comfortable in our homes, right? All right, so when he had called chapter 10 of Matthew, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was Israel's day of opportunity. In all our lives, there come days of God's opportunity that come to pass. There are opportunities in our life that come and go. And it's up to us what we do with the opportunities, right? So this was Israel's day of opportunity. He sent his disciples to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and said, Go and, and minister to them. And as you go, preach, saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't go and promote yourself and tell everybody how wonderful you are and how much they should love you. No, go and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was about his father's business. He wasn't there to set up all the disciples in their own lucrative ministries so that they could live comfortably and never have another care in the world. No, that wasn't the point, was it? The point was his father's business to get people connected to the kingdom of heaven in relationship with his father. That's what it was about. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Freely have received, freely give. As soon as men start to put a price on the gospel and the gospel message, something's wrong. There's a, that's a barometer you can use across the board because this is Jesus' words. This is not man-made, somebody made this up. Freely have received, freely give. When people start to put a price on the gospel, and say, if you give to this ministry, then you're going to get this, that, and the other thing. Sorry, that's not what Jesus said. He's had, he said, freely you have received, freely give. The disciples had relationship with him, and they had it freely, didn't they? They didn't have to come and pay. They didn't have to bribe anybody. It wasn't based on, on, on anything except that Jesus called them, and they responded, just like we did. And so... 
as we go and share the gospel with our with fellow mankind, it can't be at a price. We can't put a price on it. We can't say, well, if you pay this much or you send me your money, then I'll send you something blessed. No. No, that's, that's just not scripture. Freely you have received, freely give. Wow. What a concept, right? Amen. That's kingdom mentality. Freely you have received, freely give. Again, it goes so opposite of the thought that's in our world. Christendom has become a big business, and that's not new. Think about back in the Dark Ages when, the, um, when Catholicism was strong, and they were selling indulgences to the people. The, 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 the church buildings were coated with gold, and the people were living in abject poverty, and they were saying... Um, buy indulgences, you know, buy, you know, if you buy these indulgences, then the quicker you'll get out of purgatory and get into heaven. And they were making money on the, on the gospel, right? And, and holding people in fear. It hasn't changed much. You know, those were the, considered the dark ages. It's taken on a, a new and, and friendlier face than that. But really, in Protestantism, the same thing is going on. People are charging people and, and, and trying to suck all the money out of people. Yeah, and suck, and, and, you know, that's not the gospel. The gospel is freely have received, freely give. Care about one another. Share yourselves with one another. That's what we see in the early Christian church, don't we? They came together, they ate together, they shared them, they shared their Whatever they had, their resources, they shared with one another. They took care of one another. And they weren't building big empires for themselves. So it's just such so, so opposite of the world that we live in that we can hardly fathom it. I mean, really, isn't it true? We talk about it here. We go, yes, yes. But where is it in our world? Every man is for himself and building his own empire. And so, you know, we have to really fight to remain open and sensitive to hear God's voice and to say, how can I help this one? How can I be a blessing in this person's life? How can I stay connected to the body? Show me, Lord. I'll do it if you show me. That's all we can say. We, none of us get it perfect all the time. But we can ask the Lord to help us, that we will be a blessing to one another and make a difference and live like he wants us to. Freely he have received, freely give. We give without expecting anything in return. You know, that's the, the mentality of this world. Well, if I give this to you, then you're going to give this back to me. You know, it's that reciprocation thing. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, just give, just give, just give. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, sell what you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. He couldn't do it, could he? He was so ingrained in his own empire. He couldn't do it. And Jesus didn't run after him. Powerful teaching points there. So we have to understand that the kingdom of heaven has a totally different mentality than the kingdom of this world. You know, and, and, and it's, again, such a piece that's misunderstood. Freely have received, freely give. You know, God is a provider. The Bible says that. We know that. And... It's true, God is a provider, but it's not, it's not, um, it's probably not going to be to make you a billionaire in this world. God provides what you need when you need it, and sometimes, you know, you're going, okay, 
Um, I do need that now. <laughs> but God is never late and he always comes through. But it's not the kind of, of, of treasure and um, materialistic mentality that we have as Americans. It's, it's not. It just isn't. That's not kingdom mentality. Trusting God and his, rich, his riches are different. You know, when we, have, when we have peace and love in our lives, that's richness. When our hearts can be thankful, that's richness. That can't be bought or sold, can it? Peace of heart, peace of mind, can that be bought or sold? That makes us rich, rich in Christ. It doesn't make us millionaires, maybe. I'm not saying God can't make us millionaires. If he can trust us with the money, he will. But, but then it even then, it'll be, it'll be going out. It'll be going out. It won't be to make us more, more comfortable. So it's just a whole different concept than is in our world. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. Here he tells them, don't even, don't even take anything for yourselves, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. In other words, wherever they went to minister and be a blessing and bring the kingdom of heaven, they were supposed to be cared for by the people that they were delivering the message to. And this is, again, this just follows the thought I've just been saying, freely you have received, freely give. Where the, where the word is being ministered, there needs to be that reciprocation of care for the people who are delivering the word of God to us. That's just the way, that's just kingdom principles. And that's another reason why in the Christian world, in the Protestant world, churches are all at war with one another because they've stopped caring about the, the servant of the Lord. That's why there's so much, so much warring within the church because they've gotten away from what the Bible says the church is supposed to be like. And we have to, we have to come back to the word and say, this is what the word says. This is what I'm going to do. All right. And whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Here we have another kingdom principle that we all struggle with. <laughs> Sometimes we need to separate ourselves from someone who is just not accepting or you know, for now it doesn't we say I this is where I am if you want to ever come and join me that's fine but I, I'm not I'm not going where you are I'm not coming where you are and Jesus told them to to, to, to remove their blessing from from a place where they weren't received and sometimes it's so hard for us to get it that when we're not being received uh, we just we just we just spend a lot of energy and a lot of time trying to bang that door down again and keep that connection open to our own detriment to our own detriment there are things that we have got to let go as as we walk through life and is that easy no it's not relationships I'm talking about relationships now here okay every relationship we're not to pursue if they're not lined up with God's word and where we're going We've got to say, I'm going this way. You're welcome to join me, but unless you do, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting down where, where you are. I'm not sitting. Down. The Bible tells us, blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the way of the ungodly. 
And ungodly people who are making ungodly choices doesn't mean that God doesn't love them or that uh, they can never they can never get back in relationship with you or with God. Of course not. Of course not. But we gotta know where God has called us and what He has called us to, and we've got to be true to that. That's what He's looking for. He's looking for truth in here. All right, and that sometimes means separation, and that's okay. It's okay. God's God said it again, like the again the rich young ruler. He Jesus told him what he needed to do, and that made him sorrowful. And he walked away, and Jesus didn't run after him. He let him go. He didn't stay in relationship with him and keep running after him and running after him and running didn't and we gotta learn that's hard for us to learn that's hard but it's it's kingdom truth and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words depart out of it that house or city and shake the dust off your feet in other words there's a time to say okay I gave you the opportunity just like as god does in our lives god gives us opportunities the opportunities come we have a choice what to do with them, but then they go. There are days of opportunity in our life. We all had a day of opportunity when we heard the gospel, each one of us, to accept it and say, yes, Lord, I need you in my life. We had a choice, each one of us. We could have closed our heart and said, no, not now. We wouldn't be here today, would we? The opportunity comes and the opportunity goes. Now, it doesn't mean that you may never have had another opportunity. I'm just saying opportunities come and go. They come and go. Do you understand what I'm saying? What we do with them when they come determines where we end up tomorrow. That's the way it works. And I've seen people who are um, struggling with issues in their lives and um, rejecting the truth, you know, pushing the truth away. I've seen God give them opportunity after opportunity. God is so faithful. But there comes a time, there comes a point where God just withdraws those opportunities, like in Saul's life, in, in King Saul. Remember King Saul? He kept, on, he kept on hardening his heart, and Pharaoh kept on hardening his heart, hardening his heart. Eventually God says, okay, that's what you've chosen. <laughs> I've given you opportunity. And it's sad, sad truth, but it's kingdom truth. All right. Verily I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Wow. Here Jesus says some hard truth. This was the day of opportunity for these people right then. The kingdom of heaven was at hand. The Son of God was in their midst, living, walking amongst them. The power of God was available in new ways that had never been available before, exactly like that. And here the disciples were bringing kingdom truth to the villages, to the, to the um, towns. And these people had a choice. They had a choice whether they were going to receive the messenger and receive the message or whether they were going to reject it. And Jesus said that if they rejected it, they were going to be held more accountable than Sodom and Gomorrah that had been destroyed in the Old Testament. You remember what happened there. There was a lot of perversion, homosexuality, and all kind of filthy immorality and fornication. And God said, they're going to, I'm going to rain down fire out of heaven and destroy them. And Lot got pulled out of that by the skin of his teeth, literally. <laughs> because Abraham prayed, that's right. And... That was destroyed. It was totally destroyed. Now, Jesus says, 
I'm going to hold you more accountable than those people because those people didn't have the Son of God come walk their streets with the gospel kingdom message. Do you understand? We're held accountable for hearing the gospel and, the, and responding to the kingdom truths that are put before us. We are going to be held responsible. Privilege, privilege comes with, you know, they say rank has its privilege, but responsibility comes with, with, with privilege. And so we are going to be held accountable for what we do with the gospel. Whether we walk away from it, thankfully we've all opened our hearts to Jesus. Um, but we are gonna, we are gonna be held accountable for all, all that we have been entrusted with. And so we must be good stewards. We shouldn't, that shouldn't make us fear. That should encourage us. We need to be good stewards of what God has given to us. This is a piece, this is, this is what I'm always, this is, this is the whole point of this kingdom study. Is for us to understand that a king rules and he judges. God is, God is many things. God is love, but God is a judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. Hello? We say, oh, don't get angry. That's not, that's sinful. No. God is angry with the wicked every day. We are to be angry with sin also. It's not, it's not sinful to be angry. It's sinful to take your anger and be destructive with it and harm other people. Then we, then that crosses the line. But it's not sinful to be angry. That's a mental. <laughs> Moses was Moses was angry. Jesus was angry. God is angry with the wicked every day. It says, "That's what the Bible says." That's not what man is making up. We have to understand that God is also a judge. He loves. He loves. He loves so much. He gave His own precious Son on Calvary's cross to redeem us, to remove the penalty of death, to remove us from judgment. But when we reject it, there is punishment. There is, he will judge. He will judge the earth. And we just have to understand that that's also who God is. That it's not just all love, love, love. <laughs> we don't want to see anybody judge. Neither does God. He moved heaven and earth to bring his son into the world. He set the platform. Think about it. He set the platform when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. He promised a redeemer. They thought their first child was that redeemer, didn't they? And me and you might have thought the same thing. But God did, wasn't in a hurry, did he? He set the platform slowly, deliberately, revealing through the Israelites who he was, that he was a God of relationship, that he was a God of detail, that he was a God of order. Slowly set the stage, meticulously, methodically, year after year, hundreds of years. Not poof magic bing bang boom no it was a it was a plan it was a plan of salvation it took time it took ages it took it was the son of god coming down out of heaven incarnate to be born in the womb born through the womb of a of a virgin that's amazing that's an amazing truth no one could ever say oh god isn't love well, that was some kind of amazing love. And not only was he born through the womb of a virgin, but then to die. The most des despicable death that man can conjure up. Because of what? Because of the Father's love. We forget it was the Father who gave his Son. That's why that verse is so important, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. 
A lot of times people connect Jesus with the love and God with the judgment. <laughs> no. God so loved the world that he gave. Think of it, fathers in the room. How do you give your son to be sacrificed for other people, for their penalties? When you hear of a criminal that gets uh, a sentenced, you go, well, he deserved it. <laughs> you don't think, well, I should send my son to pay his penalty, do you? No, of course not. Yet this is what God, our Father, has done. And so when his son is not received and is trampled upon by humanity, yes, there is judgment coming. Yes, there is. All right. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as dove. So here he's telling them, walk in wisdom. Don't be stupid. I've said that to you before. Sometimes people think being Christian is a license to being stupid. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. Thou shalt be stupid. God wants us to walk in wisdom. And when we don't have wisdom, we're to ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. We don't always have the wisdom. But God's not always asking us just to be stupid and lay down like a doormat and, and take every stupid thing that comes down the pipe that Satan would like to roll us over with. No, we're supposed to stand up and fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life and walk in God's wisdom and say, show me, teach me, should I go there? No, remember when David was fighting the wars, he inquired of the Lord and he said, should I go this way? God said, no, don't go that way, go this way. God knows which way we should go. God knows where the danger lies. If we give him a chance to get his wisdom to us, we can walk in wisdom. There's some stuff in our life that we just get into because we were stupid and strong-headed and bullheaded. Let's tell the truth here. And if we would have listened to God's wisdom, we wouldn't have gotten there. And we need to learn. We need to learn and say, Lord, I don't want to keep doing this. I want to learn to walk in wisdom that I'll be able to avoid some of the traps that the enemy sets for me. God is aware. He's aware. And he can, he can keep us from some of the some of the traps that are laid for us by his divine wisdom. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So we're not supposed to be vicious, but we're supposed to keep our, you know, uh, wise as a serpent, okay? Serpents are wily, aren't they? They can get, they can get around. But harmless as dove, gentle dove, right? Okay, so it's an amazing comparison. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. It's it, Jesus told it like it was. It's like, be careful. Watch out. You don't always need to be locked up for the sake of the gospel. Some people are stupidly locked up for the gospel and think it, that they're being persecuted for righteousness. But when, in, in fact, they just were being stupid. God doesn't want us to be stupid. Not that, that it can always be avoided. We know the Apostle Paul, sometimes he did get locked up for the sake of the gospel, right? But God doesn't want it to be just because we were too quick and didn't listen for his wisdom and guidance and direction. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaks in you. 
and brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Now here we have some amazing truth also. It doesn't say that everything in your life is going to be peace, 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 peace. Some people live with this mentality, peace at all costs. That is not Christian. I'm sorry, read the book. There's wars, there's wars in, in the Bible from beginning to end. There's, there's b battle in the heavenlies. There's battle in the heavenly, in the heavenlies. And if we think everything in our life is going to be all peace, 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 we're just deluding ourselves. We are just deluding ourselves. The Bible doesn't say that. You're going to be hated. There's going to be strife, even in your own family. When the gospel cuts across some of the things you do and they do, and it, and it makes them uncomfortable, there's going to be strife. There's going to be angst. There's going to be, well, who do you think you are? There's going to be rejection. The Bible says to expect that. And sometimes we have to separate ourselves for a season, for a season, and pray, 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 pray. God's always hope. It's not that we give up. Of course not. God never gave up on us. But sometimes we have to separate ourselves for a season and say, I just, we just can't, we, we just can't do that. That's okay. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. God is looking for us to be, to persevere, to endure, to endure. Who wants to endure? Oh. <laughs> you get tired after a while, right? You're like, okay, Lord, I endured enough already. <laughs> But we need to get to the end, don't we? We want to get all the way home. We want to endure to the end. And when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is not enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye on the housetops. And, the fear, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul, body, and soul and body in hell. You understand that? Everything is not for our bodily comfort. What we need to be most afraid of is our our hearts, our souls being damaged. And we have to keep ourselves connected to the vine. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Here we have this amazing truth also. Again, like I, I was saying to you before, God cares about us. He's going to see to it that we get provided for. If he knows when the sparrow falls on the ground, you know how many sparrows there are in this world? And not a sparrow falls on the ground without the father's knowledge? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That makes us to know that God knows the intimate details of our daily existence. If he knows when a sparrow falls on the ground, come on, guys. There's millions of sparrows in this world. He cares about us. He cares about, he knows the amount of hair on our head. He knows, he knows all about us. And he's there to provide for us. We gotta lead, we gotta live in kingdom mentality, kingdom relationship with our God. 
All right. Whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Whoo! Again, it's pretty powerful, isn't it? We live in a world where it's not politically correct to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is it? And pretty, No, it's not politically correct. And yet, once in a while, you hear somebody like Franklin Graham or heard somebody else recently just speak up and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I heard a football player say it recently. and Tim Tebow, I think it was. And say, yes, thank you for that. You know, you want to stand up and cheer. I want to stand up and cheer more about that than the game. <laughs> Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. There you have it. This is pretty plain, right? You don't like have to read in any uh, extra meaning there. You don't have to scratch your head and wonder what that means, right? For uh, Think not, I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. How about that? Again, we have so much in Christianity that's saying, oh, everything, everything peace, peace at any cost, peace at no. That's not scripture. It's not scripture at all. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him and who are faithful. God rewards faithfulness. It's a kingdom truth. It's a kingdom truth. And it's as we give our lives. Jesus said, come and die. <laughs> give up your life. It's not a popular call, is it? But we're here to give up our lives, to lay down our lives for one another, whether it's convenient or whether it isn't. And so it's a kingdom principle which we have to learn and we can only learn it as the Lord comes and helps us and quickens us. But he will, and he can. And if we'll continue to listen for his voice and follow him, when we do know what he's told us to do, he will just bring us into amazing places of blessing and provision and abundance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which ministers life to us, Lord. It corrects us. It instructs us in the way that we should go. Help us, Lord. We live in a world that this is so opposed, diametrically opposed to. Please help us, Lord, that we will actually be able to live kingdom mentality and be the effective people that you have called us to be. Give us your heart in a greater measure this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.